We have another game this week, this time against the New York Knicks. We'll preview that, talk about what we learned, all with Nick Carboni of WCNC on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. That includes YouTube. I'm Walker Mail. I'm on WFNZ from 12 to 3 with Wesson Walker. Doug Branson has a sub stack on everyhornetsboxscore.com called, yes, Every Hornets Box Score. And then we have Nick joining us once again, making his weekly appearance, Nick Carboni of WCNC. You can find him on Twitter. It's at Nick Carboni WCNC, is it not? Okay, I'll fix it. I'm just saying. No, I don't know. We we <laughs> Doug did a hit with us on FNZ yesterday, and he called himself the best producer in the podcasting world. So we're off to a great start with the best producer. Well, here's is, the thing. So. You calling it out and me fixing it is actually going to get him more followers because we pointed it out, and the folks that are watching exactly, on YouTube yeah, now have it, to go look at it's it. It's all part of the plan. That's true. Should I call out your Xbox Live handle? Is that because we talked about oh, yeah. that before? Auto generated one, faded duck, fifteen hundred or something. Yeah, there you go. I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to get online. I mean, I, yeah, don't request an online game with him because faded duck fifteen hundred. It's it's done now. He will not beat you in Call of Duty anymore. Let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets, and we're gonna get to what we learned uh, this week at the end of the show. But we have a game against the Knicks tonight. And if you look at the last two games, I kind of view them as moral victories. You feel better about this Hornets team because they were really close to beating star-laden franchises. Kawhi Leonard just hits a game-winning jumper. Okay, you know, offensive rebound they got. That really killed the Charlotte Hornets at the end. Defensive rebounding continues to be a huge issue. But at the end of the day, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard came up with the play to win the game. Same thing against the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, the bench is kind of ridiculous right now, and the starters seem to know it with their distrust and what the bench can offer. Ridiculous in a bad, ridiculous in a bad way. Correct. So with Bryce McGowan, you go either. Well, I'm just saying you can go either way with ridiculous. You can be ridiculously good. You can be ridiculously Mm -hmm. bad. You're saying the bench ridiculously bad. Yes. Thank you for clearing up all the ways that ridiculous can actually, you know, go with the bench. I appreciate that best producer in the world. So when you talk about the bench, Bryce McGowan's Kai Jones, right? Those are the guys you're relying on. And in the end, it was too much Kevin Durant, not the star laden team with the Knicks, Jalen Brunson having a very good year, still a team that's going to be in contention towards the bottom of the playoff standings slash play in. But what do you think is the biggest story this week, Nick? Yeah, I think it is the separation that superstars give you. I mean, look at the two games this week against the Clippers and the Nets. As you just mentioned, Ty Lu decides, you know, hey, thanks, Coach Lou, you know, for plugging in PG and Kawhi uh, for the first time since right before Thanksgiving here in Charlotte, and really demoralizing everybody. Uh, and, and having Terry hit a big shot late in that game, uh, really clutch moment. Too much time for Kawhi. It's one with 1.4 seconds left. Fast forward to, to Wednesday. Kevin Durant hits a big shot after you basically close a 23-point gap and, and cut it to one. And then Kyrie gets a gets a call in the lane that that was challenged, reviewed, and still somehow upheld. I know Steve Clifford wasn't happy about that after the game. Having superstars helps. 
The Hornets don't have any superstars. They have a budding star right now, but uh, he is he is obviously bolstered to the bench with that second injury. This will be his 10th missed game here on Friday night. So, yeah, I mean, it, there, there's really nothing more to say than superstars are the difference in the NBA, case in point, this week. I mean, Terry and Kelly are playing their butts off, and uh, it's just it's just unfortunately not enough for this team. And Doug, Hornets don't have their superstar, all-star, whatever you want to call him. He is a star, and the Hornets don't have him in LaMelo Ball. And that is going to be such a huge difference. And even Gordon Hayward, probably not a star anymore, but somebody that would be able to help this team as long as he's out there on the court. Of course, he's injured once again. Injuries continuing to just destroy the Charlotte Hornets and what they could accomplish this year. Yeah, I think the biggest story this week is that the the season – is is not totally lost yet but is slowly slipping away as that uh you know big road trip six game roadie against some really tough teams looms on December 18th I mean you you look back uh, November 23rd like right before Thanksgiving they reel off three wins and and four games get blown out by Boston but you beat Philadelphia Minnesota and Washington and then you know, that bad loss to Milwaukee, I'm really looking at that one because Milwaukee sits three of their big starters and, and their three top scorers, and you really don't even compete in that game. You, you don't even get close to a lead like they did against the Clippers in Brooklyn. But those three, stringing those three losses together, close losses to good teams, uh, it, it's still losses. Uh, you know, moral victories are not victories. They, they don't count. They don't help you get into the play-in. They don't help you get into the playoffs. They don't win championships. So, you know, I, I think, you know, 0-3, the, the season is starting to slowly slip away. I think that's the biggest story this week. You know, I heard Steve Clifford. I, I, I think we played it on maybe WFNZ or this. Now every program is running together for me. But I heard from Steve Clifford discussing the fact that he does think there's going to be a team below 500 that sneaks into the play-in. I mean, if it were to happen right now, then that would be true for almost every play-in team, right? It's the New York Knicks, 12 and 13. It's Miami as the 10 seed, 12 and 14. Toronto as the 7 seed is only one game above 500. I expect quite a few of those teams to figure it out and become 500 or better. But Steve was making that seem like that's going to help the Charlotte Hornets that you can be a team below 500 and make the play in. Yeah. But you can't be crazy below, you know, like the Charlotte Hornets right now, they're seven and 18. Only two teams in the Eastern conference have a worse record than them. Detroit seven and 20 Orlando six and 20 and the Chicago bulls, there's actually a decent gap between them. I mean, the Hornets are three and a half games back of Chicago for the 12 seed. Yeah, easily you can make it up with all this much time left. But I think it goes to prove Doug's point, Nick, that, yeah, that look, you don't want to force anybody to come back sooner than they're ready to go. At the same time, you can't just keep having each game go by and say, well, you know, once these guys get back, you can start to see the vision of this Hornets team maybe getting into the play in. Yeah, I mean, the vision's going to pass away if if you don't have these guys coming back from injury, you know, in the next five, 10 contests, something to that degree. Yeah, there's always been this kind of looming tipping point, and they've been able to stave that off just like a little bit and stem that tide a little bit, but uh, there is going to get to a point where the hole is too deep. The hole is too big to dig out of. And I think you could bring up a, a great point with that, that road trip coming up over the Christmas holiday. It is daunting for a team that is constructed as this one currently is. I mean, that could just absolutely kind of bury this team if they don't get 
a little bit healthier by then. And, you know, I think Steve Clifford is, is kind of sharing that Terry Rozier optimism. Remember at the beginning of the year when Terry came back from his injury and he said, we're lucky. We got them all out of the way. And here they still are. So it assumes oh. that everybody's going to come back at kind of at the same time, be at full strength at the right time, and then play above, way above what you're playing right now just to get back in the race. Yes, they're only out of the play in, I think, by four games, but I don't look at four teams ahead of them and say, oh, yeah they'll blow right by all of these teams and, yeah. and get to where they need to be. So um, it, it's, it, it just gets tougher and tougher with each passing loss and each passing day where these guys don't come back. And man, it's, it's hard to see them coming out of that road trip uh, above water at all, mm. uh, unless everybody comes back by Christmas. Yeah, you got a lot of home games in the back half of the schedule, so they're probably looking at that too. That if they can get some guys healthy, and the, again, the the, mar, the the margin between wins and losses is manageable. I think that's what they're aiming for before this road trip is to make sure that they're not you know fifteen games below five hundred. I mean, if you're you know somewhere below ten games but below five hundred, then I, I think it's it's somewhat manageable with the back half of the schedule if they get everyone healthy. But if there is kind of a reverse Thanos snap and everyone is suddenly healthy, they actually have some issues to work out in, tor- in terms of reacclimating those healthy players, in terms of figuring out what everyone's role is. You have to then refigure out all of the playing groups. What do you do with Kelly Oubre? I mean, he has given you everything that, that you could have asked for and more. I mean, if you, if you move him, to, if everybody's healthy and you move him to the bench now, I think you've got a problem on your hands. So what do you do with that? I think they've got, you know, getting everyone healthy seems like a great thing, but it's going to introduce all of these interesting questions. Uh, and, and, and we'll see, we'll see how it all shakes out. Well, last two things. One great point with Kelly, especially because it's Kelly. And we've heard that before from one Kelly Oubre who well, he wants, wants to be to a start- starter, baby. Yeah, he does. He wants to be a starter. And while I give him all the credit in the world for starting to play more inside out, as Steve Clifford describes it, he's still taking a lot of shots. The efficiency I think could get better if he continues to play like this, less three-point attempts on smaller volume just overall. So who knows what's going to happen. And the last thing is, remember Steve Clifford going into preseason, right before the season started, he was telling you it's going to be a process to learn these playing groups. Well, now you think about 20, 30, 35 games into the season, he still doesn't know his playing groups because he hasn't had his guys available yet. <laughs> and he, didn't, he didn't in the preseason either. He yeah, never right. had that opportunity. Nobody was ready at the same time. Yeah, so even when these guys do come back, we need to figure out the whole chemistry side of things. So Steve Clifford needs to be the Science. mad scientist, but also figure out something quickly. All right, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just Talk yet. about what we learned this week in their games against the Brooklyn Nets. Also, the LA Clippers. That is still to come. Just wanted to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Masterclass. What is Masterclass? Masterclass offers classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class instructors at the top of their fields. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes long, and members can explore at their own pace. Each class is supported by downloadable materials, class guides, recipes, even more than that. 
uh, masterclass is accessible on your phone, web, smart TV, and available via audio mode to listen to classes on the go. You can find all available classes at masterclass.com. Over 2,500 video lessons from 180 plus of today's most brilliant minds that are available anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. An annual membership starts at $15 per month. This episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. What did we learn? We'll tell you coming up next. Locked on Hornets. Is locked on Hornets. I know a lot about the weight room. I know a lot, a ton, ton about the weight. I, I, I don't, I don't lift a lot of weights, uh, but I do kind of stand around the weight room. I sort of, I kind of. Are you using that? Are you, you're good. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. And you know, no, I stand yeah. around the weight room a lot. Do you have the high socks and the headband on with your hair tied back? Oh yeah, big like white tube socks for sure. Yeah, yeah. headband. Yeah, I've got it all. I've got yeah, big head, these big head, these headphones right here that you see me wearing on YouTube right now. I take these into the gym. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, it's about looking professional. You got to look the part, right? Dress for the job that you want. That's how I feel about how I am in the weight room. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen today. Make your next listen Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most, the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insight only Locked On can provide. Before we get into what, what did we learn, Nick jokes, and maybe not so much about us maybe leading off with Baker Mayfield. If you Carolina <laughs> Panthers fans are out there, you're seeing two people right now. Me and Doug both are repping the Panthers gear in this one. After Baker Mayfield last night led the Rams into improbable, maybe impossible comeback after the way that game played out for the first three quarters, Baker Mayfield brings back the Rams 98-yard touchdown drive in the final two minutes, scored a touchdown with like 10 seconds left. It was ridiculous. What would be the Hornets equivalent to Baker Mayfield? Somebody that comes in with, you know, some fanfare. I mean, a little bit, not a lot. And then is absolutely awful with the franchise, goes to another franchise and immediately performs for them. My, my first guess is Boris Diaw. I know he had one decent season. It soured pretty quickly here. And then he was awesome for the San Antonio Spurs. That's the best answer I have. Where are you going, Doug? Well, I mean, but, but wasn't Boris good before he came to the Bobcats as well? Like, is that, I mean, was well, that's Baker... the thing. Baker had the good playoff appearance with Cleveland. So there was something of substance there as well. That's why Boris Diaw is a better one. All right. Than you All right. I, I'm okay with that one. But I think if you're talking about a player that goes, that is not very good for the current team that he plays for in Charlotte and then moves on to be awesome, I think there's a perfect example that's happening right now, and that's Malik Monk. <laughs> Uh, who spent four seasons languishing in Charlotte. Two coaches decided (sighs) that he wasn't good enough for the rotation. He goes to L.A., uh, finds finds a little bit of a rhythm with LeBron James, and now in Sacramento, the beam team, he's lighting it up with his old teammate, De'Aaron Fox. 
I hate that. I hate that answer so much. Last one, Nick. What are you? Where have, are you going? I have two imperfect ones that I'll blend. So the first one that came to mind when we kind of were talking about this in the pre-show, just personality-wise, was Dwight Howard. Now he didn't go on to like carry a team to a championship. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like okay, like he's got his role, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the personality coming in, kind of the wild year that he spent in charlotte like very up and down full of well, it's like, not like baker's stories. league a team to a championship either so you know yeah. like that's that it, that works right explicit technical fouls like all this like <laughs> like baker's headbutting dwight howard's like correct you know gestures um yeah so i'll go dwight howard and look we saw this week anytime nick batum does anything uh for another team especially against the hornets it's like what, what where was that and that's how everybody felt on Thursday night watching Baker Mayfield. Yeah, actually, Nick Batum is a great example because he, I mean, he lit the Hornets up uh, in that game. Against, I mean, we talked about the Kawhi Leonard shot. We didn't really even in our recap talk about this Nick Batum revenge game. Like, he would not miss from the corner. He settled into this bench role that he probably, you know, should have been in in Charlotte, but the you can't, you can't put him in that role with that contract. Uh, but yeah, Nick Batum actually might be the best answer. <laughs> yeah, people couldn't handle the Nick Batum discourse after that. I mean, Just we, we, don't we, put his name in the title of this podcast because yeah. nobody's downloading. No, we want some That's listens, right. so we won't put his well, name and, in the title. And why Nick Batum is, the, I think, the best answer is because both the Hornets and the Panthers chose to 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 do that to themselves. They cho- like the Panthers chose to bring that Baker Mayfield nonsense to Charlotte. The Hornets did that to themselves with Nick Batum, uh, chose to give him that contract. So I think that's why it makes the uh, the best example. All right, so we learned Baker Mayfield is Nick Batum. What else did we learn about the Charlotte <laughs> and Hornets? And he's in L.A. Yeah, that's that's correct. Yes, both going to L.A. just like Dwight yeah, Howard hey. did as well. So, yeah, we have a whole bunch of connections. What else did we learn this week? I know we talked about how much stars matter, Nick. Is there something else you wanted to point to via somebody performing well off of the bench? Some of the guys they have to go to, Kelly and Terry, I know you've been fond of what they've been doing here recently. What's something that you would say you learned? I was going to keep it positive and go with like how much I admire Kelly and Terry and what they've done the last two games. But I've relearned how bad this <laughs> team is from the free throw line. Oh, there yeah. Were 12 of 23 in Brooklyn. It wasn't much better at home the game before against the Clippers. This team has completely fallen off a cliff from the charity stripe. I know you guys kind of broke down the reasons why this week, but. Um, that is just tough to watch. And for a coach that values free throw attempts as much as Steve Clifford does, uh, if he had any hair left, it would all be gray by now watching this team shoot free throws this year. They're absolutely awful uh, in that category. Yeah, going to that point, I mean, you're right. We did talk about it a little bit. It, it hit me in this last game more so than it had the rest of the season. Oh, all their injured players are the best free throw shooters on this yeah. team. Oh, okay. This makes sense now. You know, Miles Bridges not with this team. Also a good free throw shooter. LaMelo, Gordon, yes, that 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 will hurt them. And even with PJ being better this year, thank God, because that was one thing he wasn't good at and pretty consistently not good at with PJ Washington. He's been better, but he was not good. I think one of four this last time out. So, yeah, that's a good thing. Bad thing to learn, but a good thing to bring to the table that we learned. Well, and it's especially bad, right? Because of the margins of these games. Correct. You know, right. if you just, yep. it, it's the classic kind of thing that you points. sit at home and go, if you just hit your free throws, the freebies, if you just hit those. And it's why I think in my notebook, I believe for the 
not the LA game. I think it was the Brooklyn game. I wrote down, yeah, here we go. 34 seconds left in the Brooklyn game. I wrote down in my every Hornets box score.com notebook, Plumley fouled death. And he missed both. They were down four. <laughs> so Um, yes, and I'm trying to do this on the fly, but you know it's bad when Mason Plumley is your third best free throw shooter in the starting lineup. Um in that game against the Brooklyn Nets, Terry Rogier went 0 of 1. PJ Washington was one of four. So it was Mason Plumley basically by by default after that. Kelly Bray was 60%. Jalen went two of two, but yeah, not very good. What'd you learn this week, Doug? Well, before I get to what did we learn this week, because I am looking at my notebook here. By the way, you can get my notebook on everyhornsboxcore.com. Perfect. <laughs> is that uh, somewhere uh, we can read? Uh, oh, is, oh, yeah. See right yeah, here. it's everyhornetsboxscore.com. Right. Perfect. Um, but I, I'm sitting here looking at the notebook, and one thing we didn't mention in that Brooklyn recap, okay, the Hornets are uh, down four. It's, you know, it is two possessions, but they're down four with 13 <clears> seconds Really, it was like yeah, it was like 34 seconds left in the game, and the Hornets decide not to foul, and, and instead they opt to give. I mean, really, they just gave Kyrie Irving a, a floater in the lane, and then they're down six. The game was over, but that decision not to foul was baffling to me. It's it's one of the yeah. few. It's one of the few things that I can point to and go. And it didn't look like the team was like confused or like Clifford was begging for a foul. It seemed right. like that wasn't was part of the strategy. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the the few times I can point to and go, man, Clifford, Clifford sort of outfoxed himself on that one. Well, and and I wonder how much, as crazy as it might sound, I wonder how much he trusted their defense because they put together a couple good defensive possessions in a row to that point. And, and I wonder if they were just looking for a steal at look. I'm not saying there was an overwhelming amount of evidence to be confident in this team defensively, but they had put together a couple of good possessions until that point. Yeah. So I'm just trying to get into the head of one. Seat it's it's a good point because the, one of the things that the Hornets have done consistently all season, despite the injuries is generate steals. And there have been a few instances this season where on an inbounds play, they have been able uh, to, to mix things up and, and make things interesting. I mean, I, I think back to that, like crazy comeback that got them back in that Cleveland game was was full of those right. sort of moments. So I get that, but at the same time, I just felt like against a really good team, like Kyrie's not going to do that. You know, Kyrie's not going to give up the basketball. Kevin Kevin Durant's not going to give up the basketball. So well, just was Claxton on the floor? If he was on the floor, then that would have been the guy to go to because he's a, he's worse than Mason Plumley is at shooting yeah, free yeah. throws. So maybe that. Uh, okay. Anyway, right, that's not what I learned this week. What I learned this week is what we talked about in the last episode, Walker. But I'll bring it up again, which is that I believe that Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre have given up on the Hornets bench, and they really mm -hmm. feel as if it's all up to them at this point. And PJ Washington, they're all taking a vast majority of the shots. Uh, the bench players are kind of standing in a corner, with the exception of Maladon, who comes in. Rabe de Sonk, he gives you the quick five. That's uh, by the way, Nick. That's uh, a quick five in oh, French. I, Rabbit, I heard it. Yeah. Rabbit de Sonk. No, that's right. just what Doug does. Sonk it's a new condition. Sonk. He he just screams French words in between. I just randomly say French words. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, with the exception of Maladon, I really feel like they've given up on the bench. And and Clifford too. I mean, playing Nick Richards only nine and a half minutes against Brooklyn after he doesn't secure that defensive rebound, easy defensive rebound for Nick Richards to get in that first half, and he doesn't come down with it. And Sumner does, and it leads to I believe a Seth Curry three in the corner. That's what I learned this week is that it feels like Clifford, Ubre, and Rozier have given up on the Hornets bench and. You know, maybe that maybe they got a point. They've got a they've got a yeah. reason to at this point. 
Um, yeah, I'll tell you what I learned in just a moment. Coming up next on the Lockdown what? Hornets podcast. Oh, yeah, there's a tease. <laughs> Don't go to sleep on the Hornets there's just something yet. something I learned that was good at the beginning of the season. We were pretty happy about it, and it's starting to come back down to earth. We'll talk about that and preview the Knicks in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports, We've got it all on BetOnline. And if you love sports podcasts, I hope you do, you can find those on BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting fix. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. I'll tell you what I learned this week. Coming up next, Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We'll get to the next game in just a moment. Hopefully the Hornets can get back in the win column tonight. I learned a couple things. One... I learned that the excitement surrounding the young big guys on this team, it took a step back a little bit. Nick Richards getting benched in the second half after his great starts of the season, starting to lose the luster off of the Nick Richards shine. And then Kai Jones, you know, Kai Jones, after coming in and giving you a lot of hustle plays, and it was fantastic for a little while. It doesn't mean that he was going to be good every single game, but he's, really cooled off here in the last few times that he's been out there. You know, when you look at Kai Jones, only two points in 14 minutes against the Clippers, you look at him having three fouls, three turnovers against the Brooklyn Nets. And so Steve Clifford is just deciding, okay, we tried this a little while. I'm not trusting it anymore. Let's just play Mason Plumley for 30 minutes a game again. And that's what they're going to. The other thing I learned has to do with the bench, the young backcourt player, that Steve Clifford is going to right now is not James Booknight. It's instead Bryce McGowan's. Maybe yeah. that's the young that's the young backcourt player with this team you should be excited about. And maybe the least trusted young backcourt player on this team is your first round pick from last year in James mm-hmm. Booknight. I'm not telling you that. Steve Clifford is telling you that. That's Bryce McGowan's playing 20 in this most recent game, getting more minutes the last few contests. That's Teo Maladone, who's been awesome this year as a guy that can just come in, organize the offense and has Doug saying French nicknames. So that's what we're learning, right? I, I mean, Steve Clifford was asked about that on the Kyle Bailey show. And Steve said, look, James Booknight, he's working through it. Bryce McGowan's has taken advantage of an opportunity. And he's been playing very well. Um, ultimately, it sounded like Book Knight's not going to be back in the rotation anytime soon until Bryce McGowan's, I would imagine, gives him a reason not to. So those are a couple of things I learned this week. Nick, are you on the Bryce bandwagon? You better get on quick. I think he, I, I think he's been fun to watch uh, in, in spurts. And it is nice to see a, a second-round pick contributing. I mean, one of those guys early in the season – even when there were injuries, I thought, okay, like they're just going to kind of keep him in, in Greensboro for the most part and, and kind of develop him. But uh, it's been nice to watch him out there. It's, it's kind of weird. Like they don't really look 
alike, but their bodies are the same. He and Teo, it's just like every time I have to do like a double take of like who has the ball or like who's making the play when they're both out there, they're very similar kind of body types. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I think James Booknight and Bryce McGowan's play similarly. Yeah. You know, when you go for both of those backcourt players, they are attacking guards. It's exactly what you loved from James Booknight coming out of college. Bryce McGowan's was going to the free throw line quite a bit at Nebraska. The shooting was questionable. Book night shot really well in workouts, apparently. I don't know about McGowan's. I don't know what was reported there with the shooting and workouts, but he's actually hitting at a decent clip. We saw some really impressive performances from McGowan's in summer league. Sometimes he would take a lot of shots and miss, but he did give you the fire performances. Yeah, I, it, it, it also, I think, helps Mitch Kupchak stave off a little criticism from the drafting the last couple of years. Cause if you think about it, Mark Williams isn't playing right now. You don't have James Booknight playing right now. Jalen Duran is playing. Kai AJ Jones Griffin, AJ Griffin's playing. Tell you yeah, that. yeah, that's true. AJ Griffin Check is those playing. Minutes. Yeah. So, so Check Kai Jones, so it doesn't stave off the criticism for Doug, but just, I guess, think about how much worse it would Take be if McGowan's wasn't coming in and helping out a little bit. Yeah, just it would be nice for Cupcheck if McGowan nope. started to hit earlier than than anticipated. No one answered my question, by the way. No one answered my question. Nick, are you on the band? It sounds like you're riding a horse next to the bandwagon. Look, I'll just tell you, we've installed a hot tub on the bandwagon. The bandwagon is fun right now. The wow. Bryce bandwagon I'm is on hopping. the tail bandwagon. Am I supposed to like do one of those cowboy <laughs> where I'm like Got a boot on each. Get, you got a, you're you're on the Teo bandwagon with the crusty baguettes. You got the- <laughs> that's a lot more high class than the Bryce bandwagon. Yeah, right. A hundred percent. Um, yeah, you've got one foot in each of the hot tubs on each of those bandwagons. So it, it is fun. The the backcourt, the young backcourt, it's giving you something, isn't it? Fun. Like you go to the beginning of the season, we were desperate for some backcourt depth. Think about how bad it was with only Lamelo. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Guard. Pause there. The right word, just thinking about what we've talked about in this third segment, the right word there is desperate. We're desperate for yes. something. We're desperate yes. for LaMelo Ball to return so 100%. that we can stop talking extensively about Teo Mal. I mean, no, no disrespect to Teo Maladone and Bryce McGowan. Oh, but all don't, three of us would Bryce love to be talking don't about pre- don't, the ball no, bandwagon. Don't pretend to be on the Bryce bandwagon anymore after disparaging it. You can get out of the hot tub, take your rubber ducky, get out. You're no longer allowed here in the hot tub anyway. Um, Preview for the Knicks, Doug. What kind of stats do you have for tonight's game against New York? Oh, man. I mean, there's some stats here that indicate this could be a rough one, fellas. And really, it's all about about the rebounding. I'm looking at these uh, cleaning the glass stats. And right now, in terms of like offensive rebounding, the, the Knicks are very good at it. And of course, we've talked a lot about the fact that the Hornets have not been able to put up good defensive rebounding numbers this season. Uh, but on the flip side, you know, the Hornets are good at offensive rebounding and the Knicks are bad at defensive rebounding. So it's really, I think, you know, one stat you could watch is those offensive rebounding numbers. The second chance points, too, because, you know, this is interesting that in the game against L.A., I believe the Hornets out, you know, out offensive rebounded the Clippers uh, doubled them up in offensive rebounds, but came away with the same number. Oh no, the Clippers, it was 25, 15 against the, against the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Yeah. Against the Brooklyn Nets, uh, they had 10 offensive rebounds to the Nets five, but they had the same number of second chance points. So not converting on enough of those opportunities. 
uh, it was, it was, I think, a, a story from that Nets-Hornets game. So, yeah, I think the offensive rebounding number is definitely something to watch here against uh, the Knicks, who have a lot of size down low. All right, Nick, finish this up. What's one thing you're watching tonight against the Knicks? Uh, I would say the bench. I mean, when you're talking about kind of coming in and being able to get those rebounds and be physical uh, against Julius Randle, who's coming off an absolute monster game, uh, not just in, in points, but rebounds as well. So Nick Richards, I think, has to to step it up and, and get back to the level that he was playing at. Uh, the Knicks come in, they're a balanced team. I mean, they've held their last two opponents to, I think, under 90 points. So they're they're playing pretty well right now on both ends. But yeah, I'll go with the rebounding and I'll, and I'll kind of say that Nick Richards has to be better tonight to, to be able to to be able to win. All right, Hornets are uh, four-point dogs. You had one other thing, Doug? Well, a co- yeah, just a couple of other notes because we didn't mention the P.J. Washington eye injury that he got against Brooklyn. Uh, he, he had to miss the rest of the game, but he's not on the injury report, so he should be able to play. Can he secure a rebound? I mean, that's one guy yeah. I'm watching on the boards, too. He's got to get better at these defensive rebounds for sure. And then another, another note, uh, as I was looking through these stats, you know, the Hornets – in terms of converting and transition, have really fallen back uh, from from how they were doing early in the season. It was an edict from Clifford. He wanted them to play super fast. Uh, they're they're do they're getting transition opportunities off steals. They're generating steals. They're generating turnovers at a good rate, and they're scoring on those. But off live rebounds, this team has really gotten stuck in the mud. And and, and so I think that's an opera. If they can speed the Knicks up, it's difficult because the Knicks play. Uh, you know, uh, th- th- it was it's it's difficult for the Hornets to move fast, but the Knicks don't play great transition defense. So if they can speed this thing up, I think they've they they can give themselves a shot to win. All right, that'll do it for Locked On Hornets. That's Nick Carboni. You can catch him on WCNC, and you can catch his Twitter handle at Nick Carboni WCNC. Don't catch his Xbox Live handle because he will not be able to play you online. <laughs> Nick, thanks so much for the time, man. Always appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks for making us your first listen. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. <laughs>